0: sorry about all the craziness man that's all good i'm just dead tired how are you oh god now i feel bad good (laughs) no it's fine it's Um, fine you're fine luke tell our fans what you've been doing with yourself i went to see me without you because i forgot they were playing here then i got a call well i got a text from christina saying hey my boyfriend's mark's gonna be at this concert of that band that you love are you going to be there and i was like holy crap i forgot no and then i was like. I might be able to do this, so I <laughs> asked Aaron. I asked you got got the go ahead from both of you, and then I went and I <laughs> From both they of were, your wives exactly as this tradition. And I thought that they were going to be the middle band. So it's like this is perfect. They were not. They were headlining tonight. They've been <laughs> they've been switching it up with this other band named Cursive, who was a cool band from the early aughts and whatnot. I believe they were fun, <laughs> and uh, it was good. Uh, they not my favorite me concert in terms of their song stuff but um the songs that they picked to play but it was really good because they're great so enjoyed it very very much yeah and i don't he, <clears> throat> throat> i don't have facebook on my phone but i have facebook messenger
1: and uh daniel fan of the show daniel is also a local boy here he's awesome he uh he sent me uh he sent you a message saying I think it was a week ago, maybe four days ago, uh, just saying, Me Without You is going to be in Cincinnati. (laughs) I love (laughs) it. I love that. That's awesome. I love that we have a subset of fans who I think only listen because we reference Me Without You.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've gotten, like, texts and, like, emails about people who go to their concerts and stuff or people who have gotten into them because of us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is awesome. I have one guy who was a priest who was just like, I became a me without you fan because of your podcast. They're so weird and I love them. And I'm like, yeah, they are weird. My (laughs) wife hates them. (laughs) My wife, much like everything I do and love, my wife hates me without you.
0: That's so funny. You know that one song when he's like, open wide, open wide my door to whatever makes you love you. I just love that song. They played that. I was like, I love God. (laughs)
1: even though he's singing about Allah (laughs) from a Sufi mystic.
0: (laughs) I mean, only in certain parts. (laughs) Other parts (laughs) was their weird tooth and nail Christian days, which I pretend (laughs) are all their days. (laughs) I just think, you know, I actually had this thought. I think why I like them and why they're still relevant, like why I think it works is because they're like, I mean, by they, I mean like Aaron. I think I would include like a couple of the other guys as well in terms of like things that I've read. Aaron, the lead singer. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're coming at it from a place of trying to seek the living God, as we've said before, or as like you and I have talked about. I don't know if it was on the yeah. podcast or not. But like they believe in God, and they're trying to find him and live their lives accordingly, as opposed to a lot of other Christian music out there that is more, here's this Christian standard we have to, or here's a style we have to do. We're trying to like... It's more like a projection of what they, th- of what they think Christianity is or what, it, sh- what um, yeah. it should be right now as opposed to coming from a place of faith. So if they get a little weird, it kind of doesn't bother me yeah. because I, f- I don't think it's like a selfish thing. I right. think it's just where they are in terms of their experience of who God is and, what, and, and like just where they are in life.
1: Yeah, and they are weird too. And that's what oh, I love yeah. about them. The lead oh, singer yeah. is super weird and I want to kiss him. <laughs> and I certainly hugged him. He hugged me. Cover he had just gotten off the stage. His body is covered in putrid sweat and I'm just waiting outside the back and he's like, "Hey, are you Michael?" And I was like, "Yeah, I am. I'm I'm re-. sorry, sorry, my voice is awful." I was like, "Yeah, I am, man. How's it going?" And he's just, "Oh, come here, brother." And he gave me this big hug and I was like, Could have done without the sweat
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm gonna hold you right now Thank you
1: (laughs) Then I just (laughs) gently kissed his neck for 20 minutes (laughs) And I was like Thank you for Wolf Am I (laughs) Um, I, Honestly there was one song The song In a Sweater Poorly Knit Mm -hmm. Is such a weird song At It owns my soul. Like (laughs) if I'm just playing like uh, I'm letting my iTunes songs that I bought, you know, playlist go through Mm -hmm. and that song comes on it like it's like there's a thread tied to the top of my head to whatever speaker is playing the song and it just pulls it right to it in a sweater poorly knit and an unsuspecting smile little Moses drifts downstream in the Nile and I'm like. It doesn't even sound, like, beautiful. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's just raw and delightful and artistic and poetic, and you own me. You own me. Me <laughs> without just, you. God bless you guys.
0: Yeah, there's just, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty much all that we can say about that. Um, I remember when so I, I v- first
1: moved to Austin. Wait, let me just tell this real quick story. Oh, go, go, I yeah. first moved to Austin. I was in a cabin. Uh, uh, that's My house Is basically like a cabin. As you do as I do, and my buddy Brian Kelsch, before he entered the order and then well before he left the order, he came over, he drove up to Austin to just visit us and hang out with us, and he goes, did you hear the new Me Without You CD came out? And I was like, what? No. And he goes, you're gonna love this song. It's called... And then Shannon goes, oh, crap. I'll be in the back. And he goes, Shannon, you're gonna love this song, too. It's called... The king beetle on the coconut <laughs> estate. And she goes, Nope. And just walked right to the back. The and king, I'm listening I, to the end and I am weeping. I am <laughs> weeping to this. The lyrics are so powerful. In fact, I sung them to my kids yesterday. They go, Daddy, tell us the story. Tell us the story. And I go, You all call me your dad, but you're somewhat deceived. I laid next to your mom when your forms were conceived. They're like, what does that mean? I was like, it's talking about sex. (laughs) Sheridan, give me a bud. (laughs) Go get me a bud. NASCAR's on, baby. I know you've got a stash. Uh, Shannon wanted me to tell you that uh, her favorite driver ran over and punched a guy a couple times in the mouth the other day.
0: (laughs) She just sent me that tweet. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) Like during
1: their all-star race or something? Yeah. Yeah, they said, what was it, like, um, NFL players during their all-star game, no one tackles. Uh, What was it, basketball players, no one dunks. And uh, at a NASCAR race, people get punched in the mouth. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) to pop you on the nose. Um, But then Junior, (laughs) (laughs) one day we're sitting down, or not one day, tonight, when I get home from work, it's about maybe 20 minutes before dinner's ready. And I'm just sitting down and the kids are playing outside and she goes, yes, yes, yes. And she's looking at her phone. I was like, Why? what's going on? And she goes, the St. Louis Blues are in the Stanley Cup. And
0: I was like, God, I hate you so much. So much. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they're playing. So get this, uh, Jim from The Office, he's a Bruins fan and Pam from The Office, she's a St. Louis Blues fan. So Twitter is very excited about that. <laughs> I, I was like, why are you telling me about the Bruins? Oh, because they're in the Stanley Cup. Jimmy, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hey, I have an idea, man. I think we can do this. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? All right. One, Yeah. let's end at, like, I think we can do this to, like, 12, sorry, to, like, 11, a quarter after 11 or so your time. Okay. Let's keep this under an hour, just us. Well, we're going to do this, and we're going to do 10-minute topics, but we're going to create the topics.
1: Ooh, I think I'm we can scared. do this.
0: Okay. I don't think topics. we need to rely on anyone.
1: No. We're big boys. We can do this. Yeah.
0: We can do this. We, we don't have to use our fans as a crutch anymore.
1: Yes, we do. Don't yeah. scare them away,
0: Luke. <laughs> yeah. No, please. Please be our crutch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna... Okay. You're going to start the first topic. We're going to do it old school, man.
1: We're going to do it old school. school. I literally have Old. a pen and paper right now. I'm going to write down these
0: topics. All right, I'm going to start. Five, four, Ooh. three, two, one, go. Okay, so we're going to talk. Hey about Siri, a thing set that- a
1: timer for ten minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's every son of a go on, Luke. Um, <laughs> all right, well, I, I, uh, I'm very happy we had this discussion last week with uh, the guys from. Clerically speaking, it was great fun having them on the show. Two and a half hours long, old old, old school. I'm catching foxes. Yeah, no I loved it. We did hit on a topic that we've talked about quite at quite at length about is it okay for like lay people to you know uh, be paid to preach the gospel and things like that. And you've heard us go on about that. So I don't, I don't want to talk about that aspect at all because that's like we've that's that's a horse that's long been dead, long been beaten dead. Um, is that, that didn't make any sense. You all know what I mean. No, you're good. You're um, good. I want to talk about kind of the issue that I think is underneath that. I want to propose an idea to you. This has been on, this has been on my mind for for a bit. Vatican II, the church says, hey, we need to have more of lay people involved. Lay people, you know, time to really s- step up in this, you know, postmodern world. I have, I have a feeling that when like the lay Catholic, and I'm not trying to blame priests for this per, per se, but when you have lay Catholics who reach some uh, type of and this is this isn't always true, so I don't want to like again I'm I'm painting in broad strokes here. When you have a lay person who's reached a type of celebrity, I think it shows some that it occurs because of a breakdown within the magis, within the magisterium and quite often when it's done well it it's almost like grace putting upon on nature in the, the sense that when a when like when like a lay person is preaching or doing a talk and people are you know really open to that because um, like the priest at the church are doing their job to like lead the souls of those young of those people so they're more open and more predisposed to receive what this person's talking about in a, in a right and well-ordered manner. So you're saying the laity becomes celebrities because the priests are doing their job? They are not, or not. I, I would say, and I, I don't mean. I, I'm not trying to like crap on priests. So I want to use the word on the magisterium, or like the, or the church as a whole. Um, that there's some type of a breakdown.
1: So the laity are filling in the void, exactly. especially in terms of
0: preaching the word, and that's yeah. not necessarily a good thing. It's they, if there's a thing that they're, so it's kind of a difference between having to like fill the void, which I think is a really good way to put it is that's when it goes bad. But even if you have a preacher who perhaps isn't a good preacher, if they're a good pastor or if they're a good um leader and the like church is doing good stuff, I think what the layperson is presenting is going to be received. Well, mm. Or, or or like gotcha. better you know okay, that's and what threw me off i thought you were saying sorry no, the no people
1: are more disposed to lay speakers because the priests have done a good job but you're saying even if he's not an amazing speaker if he's a good pastor there's yes. more their hearts are ready for the word yes in a little bit exactly. Way. Okay. exactly
0: okay and i and i think where we see that you know because like this you know does happen where people tend to um, latch on to these speakers have this cult you know you know the cult of like celebrity or the whole um, cult of personality thing i think that's you know that's that's always going to kind of be there yeah uh, just given on the human nature and just our own brokenness and just how people are but i do think there is a thing to this idea that um it's not necessarily the fall of like the laity or like, of, it's, it's not the speaker culture. It's more what's created the speaker culture. That's the problem. I think,
1: I, th- I think one you're 100% correct in this regard. It was as if our seminaries decided to no longer teach the faith with conviction or communicate that to their, a whole generation of priests. So you have priests that literally do not know what the church teaches or if they do they minimize it out of fear or whatever it might be right but then you have laity who know what the church teaches who and and this what i would say is the other impetus is we love our faith often in spite of the clergy right like i grew up when i was in oklahoma our our, our clergy were good preachers the franciscans but then they left, and they were replaced with people who weren't. And uh, a couple of priests who were just terrible at communicating the faith. So what happened? Well, you had the rise in St. Joseph's communication, Scott Hans' testimony, the apologetics, you know, culture that started Catholic Answers and all this stuff, and the laity educated themselves, and the laity were. It was really the apologetics movement and the conversion movement where the laity had access to exciting and dynamic lay speakers, right? Like, we really didn't have access to those. They were, I don't know, book publishers who were accompanying, you Mm -hmm. know, salesmen, sales reps, and I I still have to go to those, and they are almost the worst things ever. Um, Sophia Institute, you're awesome. Everyone else, go fly a kite. Um, (laughs) You're doing more for the church if you just literally went outside and just flew kites for a living. Um, But the... (laughs) So I I agree with you, like, as a layperson, often the best education we could receive was not, and okay, so that's clergy. Now look at Catholic schools who maybe aren't clergy-led. Catholic schools have failed us, that literally the laity are educating themselves with books and audio cassettes and VHS that became DVDs and CDs and, you know, Lighthouse Catholic Media, give a CD, give a free book, uh, your favorite dynamic Catholic, all that's like free content. Or accessible content, and then the internet with YouTube and Word on Fire streaming and all that stuff. The the laity have done an end run around the clergy. I think that might flow into your topic from The Atlantic, that article. But the laity have done this because we're self-educated. And then you find you have a ton of laity who are more passionate about the faith and are able to give real answers to people's problems than clergy or theologians. And I don't just want to say clergy. I want to throw in the school, you know, you're not just theologians as in doctors and stuff but you know, K through 8 even and
0: and high school and college, college teachers yeah. and on um, campus ministers. Yeah, it's 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 almost like I feel like like where I think a lot of the discontent with this whole speaker on um, culture thing might be coming from and i'm sure it's actually more complex than this but i feel like there's this thing where like you, you ever know like hey like a th- like someone just feels wrong and yeah. it's almost like um nature revolts yeah a little bit You're like so i think that's kind of what is going on yeah because you have this it's so it's not really the speaker it's more uh what we expect out of the speaker why we're bringing the speaker in yeah in there in the first place cuz i remember when you did a when you did a parish mission over at far, at father Kyle Schneppel's church he did this great thing at the i think it was at the beginning or the end of one of your talks where he said if there's ever ever, you know like what he brought it back to a thing that you had brought up and he was like if you want to like if you if i can ever help you on this yeah let me that know awesome. and i will and, yeah. and i'll tell
1: you this i've never had a priest do
0: that ever 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 typically
1: as a mission speaker when i go to a church that's permission for the clergy to leave. Not all clergy do this. Mm. And especially the ones in Ohio, in um, Findlay, Ohio and whatnot, they um, they all remained. But I, I'll tell you, that is an absolute rarity. That is an absolute rarity. When I show... and Yeah, it's like that all over the place. When I show up, they're like, good luck, maybe they'll take me out to dinner and talk about what I'm going to talk about, But but that's about it. I want to say one more thing about our interview... Um, if you don't mind, since we have one minute left. Yeah. Um, uh, listener and fan of the show, Brian Greenfield, he wrote in and he was like, basically those priests were kind of ticking him off. Um, because he is a lay speaker who commands a a very well-deserved, uh, you know, ask. And me and you were talking with him at Seek. Yeah. And we were, that was Great one of the conversations. And we talk about this stuff every time. Because we sit down and we're like are we doing it wrong? What do we need to do? And when he found out how much I was charging, he kind of like laughed at me, and he's like, dude, you need to raise your rates. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. So he was telling me that um, it just sounded like priests where there's a priest shortage and we need formation happening. And you also have, it's not just a priest shortage, but you have an inability of priests to even care about doing ministry to, let's say, youth. And then there's all these confirmation retreats. So the clergy, i.e. the local bishop, makes a retreat, a requirement of confirmation. But you don't really have clergy that can give amazing talks. I remember one time there was this one priest who said um, to the youth minister, why do you hire Mike Gormley to give the talk? I could give the talk, but all you want me to do is give confession. And she said, because that's one thing no one here can do, and you're irreplaceable. But also, you're not really a good speaker. (laughs) And it's true. He's a terrible, terrible homilist If ever I could say This person is a terrible homilist Who should never give a homily I would think about this priest He's terrible He's not a priest anymore Anywho <laughs> There he, you go No, he's promoted Anywho um, oh.
0: oh, no He's yeah. still a priest if he's promoted Right, well,
1: yeah Okay, thou art a priest forever
0: According to the order of
1: Melchizedek I yeah, get it, Jeez. I get it like, All right,
0: speaking of people who are still priests, um, let's talk. Let's let's. So we've we've ended this one. We're going to do this old school. Going to start this Uh, uh, next one. A guy by the name of James Scott, blah, blah, blah. He wrote an article in the in the Atlantic called uh, why we should abolish the priesthood. Uh, Did you have a chance to look at that? I did not. I asked a buddy of mine. I go, whoa, what is this?
1: And then uh, uh, my buddy Brian Jones uh, said, oh, man, that article is not worth reading. He's like, it is
0: terrible, and I think that guy's an ex-priest. But anyhow. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> I can try to talk about it if you want, or we could just be like, yep. That was the thing that happened. No, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. So I, I've, I've only read it once. So this is just my kind of like off the, like, this is just very, On the fly. Um, I want to kind of point towards some of the good stuff that I think he was getting at. Um, He brings up uh, a lot of the brokenness within the the church. And I'm like, okay, like, I I get where you're coming from. These are things that we all kind of know, or at least we should be aware of. It's good that we are talking about this, things that happen in Ireland, things that happen here in the States, blah, blah, blah. And even there's a thing he kind of talked about towards the end. Where he was talking about, uh, like truly being uh, like who the church is and how that means like it's uh, oh gosh I, I I'm sorry I I was uh, hoping you you may have read it to kind of like bounce it off you know kind of come back to me so I did not take any um notes so this is this just might be garbage but there were like one or two things in this very 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 long article and I'm like okay I see what you're saying here in this sentence here the rest of it though was just like really difficult. To read, and I, I just um, it was just so interesting, like how he so he kind of like really does two main things. Well, he does a couple things. One, he basically says that I are mean, that if you look at the early church, they were just a community of uh, believers, and then who like lived together, were all like you know doing all these great stuff together. And then once you had once Christianity becomes the main thing within the holy within the within the Roman Empire, that's when it starts to take on the form of Rome, as in like the Roman. So you have the basilica, which kind of like has its roots in Roman culture. Those words, um, like we kind of like assume, like we just kind of took a lot of these terms, ideas, and these places, and that's where once we become Roman. You see the elevation of the priesthood above the lady, and then you have then he then he ties in. You throw in like Augustine with that, and there you have. With him comes the shame of sexuality, pretty much, and you have like you know you have like a, a like a thousand years of that stuff, where it just gets. And what we are seeing right now is kind of the fallout from all of that, and it's kind of insane. But it also, I think he he like really goes after uh, like both the both like Pope Francis and um and uh and Benedict pretty pretty hard, and he almost like uh, laments what he thought Vatican II was going to do, and how it never happened. Like he, he talks a lot about how the best thing that come out of Vatican II was, uh, really trying to just stamp out theologically um anti-semitism which i thought oh, was interesting i, I don't know enough about that to really truly, really, you know speak on it i think he was hoping to see more of an openness towards uh c- contraception homosexuality priests being married maybe even sex outside of marriage which i thought was kind of interesting and he points towards this thing where he's like people won't go down this road. Cause if priests can get married, then you have to question everything that the church tends to teach about on the sex. And it was, and they're there like things that he were, that he kind of hinted at that. I'm like, I don't think he's necessarily wrong. Not, I don't agree with where he's, where like he's going or why he gets there or the point he's trying to make. But some of his things in isolation, I'm like, I kind of see what you're saying here. I don't agree with you at all, but I do think it's just worth just a few parts. It's worth getting his perspective on it. The guy's nuts and very broken and we should pray for him, but okay. I've been blabbing a lot.
1: Well, I would say like one of the things that always bothers me about pieces like this is they are these grand laments that the church, the church that could have been, but isn't, because it's not more liberal, right? Like, or progressive, right? Like, oh, here's all the... Like, I remember reading in Time Magazine this piece that was very favorable to George W. Bush. And uh, it was in, like, 2006 or seven. you know, at the heat of the anti-Iraq war stuff, probably 2006. uh, And I picked up the magazine. I'm in an airport, and I'm reading it. And I realized oh, I see what this is. This is just a liberal who's now praising the liberal policies of a conservative sitting predes- president. He doesn't care at all about Bush or anything like that, and I voted for Bush the first time but not the second time. And, um, I, and so I just thought, like, well, that's kind of disingenuous to be like, oh, this is what I – mean, not necessarily. Like, this is what he's getting right, and what he's getting right is – all those things that agree with you. You know, it's like like when you talk about Trump. Like, I, I don't like Trump. I've never hid the fact that I don't like Trump. I've always not liked Trump. I am a never-Trumper. Trump, Trump, Trump. But if he does good things in the office, even though I don't like him, I still am forced to acknowledge that. You know, like, if it's better for jobs for African Americans today to start a business than ever before, I have to acknowledge that even though I wouldn't care if the guy was impeached or not. You know what I mean? Like... So then you have these things that come mm-hmm. out, and it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. we almost had a hope. We almost had a hope that the true dreams of Vatican II could have could have been fulfilled. And the crazy thing is, like, when you read Pope Paul VI on things like <laughs> taking communion in the hand, which has become a thing, um, he was adamantly against it. And so were the bishops of almost the entire world. They were adamantly against it. And yet, and yet... The Netherlands, always the Netherlands, plowed ahead and got it going anyway. And I I always find pieces like this where, I mean, this guy's obviously very well, you know, to be in Atlantic, you got to be an exceptional writer. But um, I I always feel like it's easy to bag on the church because of sex abuse scandals. And we should. You should mock those who did nothing while children were destroyed or, you know, whatever. Okay. I'm not, I'm not defending that. But at the same time, you have this freaking annoying thing where it's like, I'm going to take pot shots over here and then blame something over there for it all. Just because priests were involved in it and bishops and, you know, the Pope or whatever, doesn't mean we should abolish the priesthood and have the laity take back our Christian faith. Like, it is something so absolutely asinine. Just so utterly asinine to to even think. Yeah,
0: His thing, though, and... it's more that we've inherited this um, right, Roman tradition yeah. and outlook that no, not, not, not like, I mean, like actually from like the Roman empire. Right. And this the basilica hierarchy. and all that. Yeah. And like this, how we view, uh, like, you know, he's saying how back in the early church, everyone, oh, was equal and blah, 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 blah. That's one of the, you know, and then, you know, all of a sudden over time, it's like, that kind of goes away. And I, I don't necessarily agree with him, but there's a problem. It's like I, I think he brings up an interesting point. So he says we need to make the church more, demo. We need to make the church more democratic to fit the policies of today, which I don't agree. Sorry, to like to fit the politics of the to, to take on the politics of the time, or to take on, um, like if you want to um Christianize th- the culture. That means that part of how we experience Christianity has to change as well, just like it did during this time period. And I don't know enough about church history. Yeah, so he says, agree with that.
1: He says, if down through the ages it was appropriate for the church to take on the political structures of the broader culture, imperial Rome, feudal Europe, then why shouldn't Catholicism now absorb the ethos and form of liberal democracy? This may not be inevitable, but it is more than possible. The church I foresee will be governed by lay people, although the verb govern may apply less than serve. There will be leaders who gather communities in worship, and because the tradition is rich, striking chords in human history. Such sacramental enablers may well be known as priests. They will include women and married people. They will be ontologically equal to everyone else. They will not owe fealty to a feudal superior. And this is the problem of all of this stuff, right? This is just, there are literally thousands of churches that have adopted this exact thing, right there are churches that are literally their doctrine is governed by an annual vote right who serves who
0: runs I'm not saying that like I agree with that or that's what it that that's what no, I know you're it not. should be but i I do think this like thing of of um How do you get, how did you create this culture uh, where we just moved priests around and we didn't want to um, talk about it? You know, is it just, uh, we didn't, people just didn't know at the time and they were just doing what they thought was best. Or is it this thing of like, well, we're priests, we need to handle this amongst ourselves. You know, I I don't know, but I'm kind of intrigued by this whole idea of, um, uh, how do I put this? The church, uh, we like, we don't have to always do things the same way. And I don't. I'm yeah. not saying that I mean married priest. I'm not saying that I mean. I'm just trying to say that like our cultural attitudes towards the office of the priesthood doesn't necessarily. It like it hasn't always doesn't have to like be the way that it was. I'm not yeah. saying. The substance of the priesthood or yeah. even its accidents. Yeah. I'm just saying the cultural <laughs> attitudes. I don't think it's necessarily wrong to have it reflect more of a modern um, the sensibility than a uh, one from the 1950s. Yeah. Yeah. Where and- whatever the father said was right. I don't even know if that like exists anymore, but I feel like it kind of does in certain things, though.
1: Well, I think it always will cuz we've concentrated power and money around the hands of the pastors and the bishops and stuff. Right? So wherever you have money concentrated in a single place, you're going to have corruption. You're going to have at the very least you're going to have gossip and second guessing and all that stuff. But um yeah.
0: I mean, and, if and you look that in that
1: scripture part of human nature. Yeah, I mean if you look in scripture Immediately, there was division, divisiveness. They were leaders in the church who were fighting other leaders. This is the problem when the weeds are scattered among the wheat. You don't burn down the field and proclaim the ashes liberated. Someone tweet that. Someone tweet that. I can't tweet right now. Someone tweet that. That was beautiful. Next topic. Luke, can you even hear me anymore?
0: Uh, You were breaking up a bit. I heard you say, like, a thing, and then you wanted a person to tweet that and blah, blah, blah. But I got the gist of what you're saying. I just like a part of me. Sorry. Should I just keep going? Yeah. No, no, go, 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 go. Like, like this article is so absurd on so many levels that I feel bad for him. So there's problems like, okay, I want to try to find. Of course, I don't think we should abolish the priesthood. I mean, I even agreed that like the priesthood is a higher calling than marriage. And, like, people who are, like, when you have, like, because there's that whole, uh, forget where it's at, where it's from. But there's, like, a church I'm teaching where it basically says, like, the priesthood, the consecrated life, anything where it's, like, you are, like, a consecrated person who takes, a, who takes like, a vow to God is a higher calling than marriage. Or it's, like, a higher vocation or something. And I, I agree that makes sense. I understand why that would be the case. Because you're totally mm. devoted to the Lord, yeah. um, and so I'm not. I'm not even saying that. Like I'm, I'm just saying more of this like cultural deferment. I, I think th- like this whole um cultural thing of like kind of the great equalization of our culture. Um, that there are very there are strong Christian roots in that, and I think we should embrace that. Well. I, I, I think it's possible to embrace that, or I, I guess this is what I'm wondering. I don't know how I feel about it. I could probably change my mind on this in a day, so don't hold me to any of this. Um, or do, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> like, truly, I'm just like, whatever. Uh, um, like, can we view the priesthood as the holy, or can we view a, like, nun, or, you know, like, anyone who uh, has you know, I'm a consecrated their life to the Lord. Is it possible to understand how important and good that is and how special that is without automatically isolating that person or creating some type of a distance between that person and the lady. Yeah. Cause I think like, so if, if you take our last podcast, those guys talked about how, uh, when they, you know, like they don't want to hear their friend's, confessions because it, it can kind of create this weird dynamic to that relationship. And I get that. And so yeah. it's just how, do, I, I don't know. It's, I'm just, just, I'm just throwing some stuff out there.
1: Yeah. I think this is, we need to get back to Vatican II's understanding of the laity of who we are in our baptismal dignity and what our mission is. And the dangerous thing is at a time of clergy shortage, you don't have a laity shortage But now we have this new thing of educated laity going into ministry. That is new in the history of the world, in the history of the church. You had laity doing certain things, but you didn't have whole movements of people going off to college to major in theology just so they can come back and teach Catholic high school religion and be a youth minister. Like this stuff didn't exist. And now you have entire organizations like lifeteen where they're almost entirely lay run lay led lay everything huge movements of the church the movement dynamic although i will say this the movement dynamic of the church is largely lay movements it might be led by clergy or whatever but it's run by the laity so i think that's that's not something that we can discard
0: you know what i mean yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. and, and i don't like again i i i I walked away from that article feeling really bad for this guy. i more than that, cause He's clearly just has a lot of, um, hurt and, uh, wounds. And I mean, he even admits that yeah. like, and it just, um, but I, I do, I just think, um, yeah, this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. Right. That's all I'm right. Saying. Right. Right. So, yeah. And we
1: are in liberal modern democracy and how does that kind of affect the church? I mean, Bishop Barron, just listened to him today on the, um on his show the word on fire show and he was like you know i'm not a theocrat i i like democracy i don't want to return to kings and all that stuff like that's part of the liberalism liberal democratic idealism infecting the church right some of that is very good right i don't want a totalitarian running me no thank you george the (laughs) third
0: king george uh, all right, next all right. topic.
1: We went over on that one, buddy.
0: Next yeah, topic let's just let's just do something that's totally non church related. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones
1: finale. Final yeah. episode, Game of Thrones. So you garbage. are on the record as hating season eight. Season eight is garbage and is an and is an apostate. Alright, so w- so what you're saying is that the show directors uh Terrain they apostatized from the one true faith and we are uh uh the seat is vacant with season seven season seven is our one true game of thrones season we're still waiting for season eight
0: i'm saying the as far as i'm concerned the show ends with Daenerys targaryen when she sets sail for westeros uh no um so there's a thousand, I mean, quite, this probably more than that uh, podcast and blogs and articles about this, which we've, has been talked about ad nauseum. I, I want to get more, like you had a really interesting tweet when you were responding to it, to this text group that we have about it, or a group chat, if, if, if you will, where you said, I'm done with television. And I thought that was interesting. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So uh,
1: no secret. I love Game of Thrones. I came into it um, after season one was already aired, and I watched all the videos. I stopped on episode four or five when there was a hugely pornographic scene, and then I read all the books, and then I asked my wife if we could watch all the videos together, and if there was something pornographic, we would obviously just skip it, but she would hold me accountable. I had a lot of angry Matt Frad fans who said, if it takes that much effort, what's the point in watching it? Because it's a freaking brilliant show, you jerk. It's freaking brilliant, right? So my summary is, I spent eight years of my life invested in this. They did an excellent job revealing the parentage of Jon Snow. That whole scene, I thought, was well done. I already had guessed it because I'm fans of the books and all the theories. But when it actually played out and they validated your your knowledge it was great but then you knew season seven and eight was utterly uncharted territory because it didn't follow along with the books from that point onwards even though they knew the ending from george r r martin even though he hasn't written it he told them in case he died and i will say this season seven i didn't like it when i saw it i when i rewatched it right before season eight i liked it a whole lot more i thought myself way too critical and that's the attitude i had With season 8. I'm being way too critical. And so I turned that off while you ramped it up. And our little (laughs) chat group, everyone in the chat group ramped it up. And I would get hilarious (laughs) memes sent in the group about how terrible every episode was. I think we all like the bells. Didn't we all like the episode where spoilers? No? no? Where Daenerys goes nuts and destroys the whole city? At first I felt good about it. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, this blows it was a lot of I, spectacle. So that's what happened. I mean, the substance fell away. The stories that you care about, the individuals that you care about, they fell away. And then you just get the spectacle of it. And I think they. And thought,
0: that's what sucks.
1: Right. 100%. <laughs> no, I'm agreeing with you. So I put on oh, the yeah. last episode to prepare for this talk. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm not watching this. So I went back and watched The Bells. And I didn't watch the whole thing, I just skipped to the crazy stuff where the dragon shows up on the Iron Fleet and then blows out the gates and then kills the Golden Company and then the Dothraki come in and then the moment where she goes ape and I felt throughout the last two episodes that you became completely unhinged from the emotional and reasoning states of the main characters whose stories you love. Except for Tyrion, you he, I think, Tyrion and Varys they did the best job kind of You knew what they were thinking. Like, Tyrion's like, I'm all in on her. Even if I wanted to be all in on Jon Snow, I can't. That ship has sailed. Oh, my God, she just burned berries alive. Oh, my God, she just burned the whole city alive. I got to get out of this mess, (laughs) right? Yeah. Then the ending happened, and it was so terrible. It was so terrible. It was like a joke was pulled. And all these other people, the reason why I wrote that is, in our little group, someone said, well, I'm going to watch Chernobyl for now. I hear it's a really good show. We watched episode one um, the other day, waiting for this game of Thrones. And I just thought, why? It has made no difference to my life that I've seen all the episodes of Lost and with a disappointing ending. I gave up on The Walking Dead. I liked The Walking Dead. I gave up on that. And my life is not worse for having not seen it. And so I just thought, okay. I mean, most TV is so terrible that it's not worth my time. So if something bubbles up in the future, I'm not being an absolutist, but mm-hmm. if something bubbles up in the future, yeah, maybe. But right now, this, is,
0: this, this, this has done nothing for me. Well, and I think this is, what, this is the tragedy of Game of Thrones, is that it most tv doesn't really cause you to think all that deeply right part of its a medium just like film it's kind of the overall um danger like most film like because of how um, because of how a lot of um how film works it's so engrossing it can be so overwhelming it's so emotional that it tends to like um that's why people were very resistant to it being called fine art for for a right. long period of time I think TV is the same was and is the same way. And it's not really until the past 20 to 30 years and especially the past 10 years that TV, You know we've been in the quote unquote, I'm um, a Renaissance era that really kind of goes full steam ahead with uh, things like a um, mad men and breaking bad and game of Thrones kind of comes in at the tail end of the beginning of all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about game of Thrones, why it's a, tragedy has gotten so bad and i don't want to talk about any of the porn stuff i get it i agree we hit the fast forward button moving on so screw you taylor Taylor marshall um anywho um (laughs) it it was worth understanding what was going on yeah and it, it could provide for some... And I think the same thing about Mad Men as well. I've heard this about Upbreaking Bad as well. That it's a thing worth trying to understand and comprehend what's the overall um, message here, even if you don't agree with it. I think um, Mad Men is brilliant and fantastic and is worth every bit of time watching it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, do I think some things go too far? Abs- absolutely. But um, it the story... But the problem is is when that when you take that away, it's just a spectacle and it's a waste of time. Yeah. And it sucks. Like it's and I, again, like I think I, I agree with, with like Matt Fratt's kind of post. Like if if you spend all your time um watching this stuff, it kind of is a waste of time. I don't think that he's wrong about that in you know, his YouTube video. Like there are plenty of other things we should be doing besides watching television. Um, plenty of other things. Um, but taking as like a you know an isolated experience i think there's um the the tragedy is that is that within game of thrones there were these really deep things to contemplate from that show and now it's kind of gone for the most part well like it, it was it was just absent um in season eight yeah yeah like uh, so for some of the deep
1: things right so the, the world sets up this, you know, it's an impossible world. Their seasons are not regular. They're all living in fear that one day the long winter is going to come that's going to last for a decade and everyone's going to die and the food's going to run out and all this stuff. And there's a group of wildlings who, they're called wildlings because they refuse to bend the knee to any king. And they're far in the north. And then there's this 700-foot wall of magic and ice that separates the wildlings and whatever evil magical creatures lurk north of the wall from coming down into this land that is essentially the United Kingdom. <laughs> but um so you have this whole thing and there's this group of, of celibate men called uh, the Night's Watch and it's their, jar- their job to be the shield that guards the realm of men and it's awesome and it's sweeping and it's mythical and it's amazing and then you get to go on the journey through these people's minds and all this stuff and it's like, okay, we have this this force of a guy who can literally fight us with our own dead, the Night King. He can resurrect, not resurrect him, but reanimate corpse and just own them. They are slaves to his will. And so if you kill all of his people and he kills half of your people, right? Or if you, you, you fight and you're defending, you're defending all your people, he can just raise them up. And then now they're your enemy. Like, it's so overwhelming and it's so terrifying. It's like zombie apocalypse stuff. But what makes it different is you have this character named Jon Snow, who believes that the Wildlings, who are hated by everyone in Westeros, the only way to fight this war is to bring them into Westeros, to to connect them with the people, um, to give them homes and castles to to fortify so that they can fight the White Walkers, just as because they have a right to live, just as much as anyone else. It's like magical, mythical silliness that then becomes like. Like, you feel the weight of the Northmen not wanting the Wildlings to be anywhere near them. And then the, the 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 prejudice they have against the Southern Lords and them coming up and, like, they just distasted. They hated all the people coming from, because the North is a harsh place. People coming from mm-hmm. different countries and the Dothraki and all that before the Great War. And it was just, you know, they do things like that that force you, like, the grittiness of politics the conniving the the things that women undergo in an atmosphere dominated by political conniving and scheming and how like all of that was par for the course but if you cleaned it up and made it pg those lessons would be lost it remind me of when a buddy of mine said um i said godfather three is terrible i hate it could never get into it he said god if you like godfather one and godfather part two you have a You have a moral problem on your hands. I said, why is that? He said, because Godfather 3 is where he gets redemption. So if you like 1 and 2, you just like the violence. And I said, hey, before you get all moralizing on me, a moral can be taught by the depravity of the negative. Right? So Michael Corleone being powerless, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. It's a great line in Godfather 3. But you have all of this other stuff going on. Godfather 1, he descends into the madness of murder and violence that is the mob. And everyone watching that might be like, wow, you know, yeah, crazy. You shoot them up. But you see that it's an irrational and all-consuming life. That teaches the moral. Just, tragedy. Yeah. yeah. It teaches the moral just as much as, now, kids, don't you go murdering people while your godson is getting baptized. Right? Like, <laughs> and that's their point yeah. about Mad Men. When you remove... That element and it start it becomes shallow, then it's just about the spectacle, which is what I think The Walking Dead is totally now. It's like, oh, you thought last season's cliffhanger was crazy? Watch this guy beat people's skulls in with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed
0: wire. Lucille. <laughs> America. Yeah. And I just, um, Oh, Negan, go on. Don't you think it's just kind of, uh, it just sucks when like it gets ruined? cuz yeah. I, I think I, I think there is i think there's a good thing too about um i just really enjoyed like going over to my buddy's house and watching it yeah you know and i enjoyed that we would talk about it afterwards. i enjoyed like it was it's like those things are fun and it just when it when it sucks it's a it's you know i think it's it's okay to be disappointed and to be like oh I'll, you know whatever
1: yeah i asked my wife i said how did you feel about the finale and she said i feel like i'm still waiting for the real one like, that was, like, the fake one to throw off the fans, and now there's going to be a real one. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. yeah. And, but you're right. Like, uh, I was talking the other day about, you know, this show has been on for eight years. Um, and we got to wrap this up. Um, the show has been on for eight years. When I was in college, when we were in college, every time we would go home, waiting for us at Christmas break was another Lord of the Rings movie for three out of the four years. And it was funny that when I was a senior and I went home for Christmas, I was like, nah, I mean, I guess I'll watch Daddy Daycare too, but
0: <laughs>
1: I, I really
0: wanted another Lord of the Rings movie. Turns out we got one, ended up sucked. All right. Um, next, the Hobbit topic. was so terrible. Oh man, no, no. I remember at some point in time to be like, I should be. I'm loving this. Cause I'm seeing all these people on screen right now talking about this thing, and I'm just bored. Um, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, Father Dave Favanka, president of Steubenville of The city No, of the school, the Franciscan <laughs> University of Steubenville uh, That was announced today Just thought we'd give our thoughts very quick I'm very excited
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's awesome And I hope he has to drop a bunch of speaking gigs And they all go to me <laughs> Cha-ching Someone, Someone said, really, what'll, what'll happen to all the speaking gigs? Uh, via text message to me And I was like, oh I should ask him Oh, Dave Van Vickle <laughs> will get them all. Dave Van Vickle <laughs> always gets all Father Dave's leftovers. But I'm the Phoenician woman. Come on, Father Dave. Give
0: them to me. Give Father them. Dave
1: is awesome. I am so happy. Father Dave truly walked in the spirit of Father Michael Scanlon. Um, he's, uh, you know, a wonderful speaker. He He's, you know, author of multiple books. He has his JD for crying out loud. The guy managed the Austria campus. He's ready to rock. This is going to be amazing. I think they and wanted him to do it years ago when he turned him down.
0: And I'm really excited as well because I think uh, quite often, I mean, I'm mean, i going to kind of apply this to high schools or K-12 through schools, but I, th- I think I would imagine it applies to colleges as well. But feel free to correct me. Um, the president tends to like set the vision. They tend to set the you know the tone of like where you are going and how and how you're going to get there but it's quite often the principal like a dean or like a um vp yeah. at at like a college that will like run the day-to-day aspects of of these school or kind of set the academic tone and like um run the academic side and things like that and I think I'm real. I'm re- no, I don't think I. I um, know that I'm very happy to. This is not anything against the last two presidents, but I feel like they weren't unnecessarily extremely um, charismatic. Which I- this is going to sound harsh, and I never really. Released- I didn't see a lot, and like. They were. I mean, they were men who were deep men of profound faith who believed in Jesus Christ and proclaimed Him well. And I loved all of Father Terry's homilies that I ever heard. Great man. I, I you know, um, but there's a real, um, uh, like almost like tent revival aspect <laughs> to Father Dave that I think um, that I think like Father Scanlon has had. Yeah. And that's something very core to like the ethos of Steubenville. Yeah, and I this just kind of like we are, are um, like gospel pre yeah, you know, and they're not gospel yeah. preachers. That no, weird, that's no, that but like you know no, what I yeah, do.
1: big tent and,
0: revival, charismatic preaching the word, like, fiery Holy Spirit. Yeah, and we and like th- the people go there because they want to be around that. Yeah. And they want to be around people that are into that thing, and they can talk about it, and they can break it down, and they can really um, live those things that they are talking about out. And I'm, j- I'm just, and I again, I don't think it was necessarily bad that the last two presidents yeah. didn't necessarily have that, but I'm excited that we have a president who does.
1: Right, right. I agree.
0: So, I agree. yeah. Uh, the wild goose him. is
1: loose, my friends, and his name is Father Dave Pavanka.
0: Yeah yeah all right that's all my stuff sorry i could let you should have traded stuff off i just kind of started doing all my things hey can i can i just tell you rapid fire stuff that i think
1: is funny yes this is just random stuff so um you know how i'm doing the whole financial stuff right like i'm Mm -hmm. trying okay and i'm not being pushy to anyone (laughs) not being pushy except to my wife and she already (laughs) yelled at me twice um So there's a podcast called Choose Fi, and I want a
0: free book from them. Look at you. I heard about that. You want a free book. I want a free book. didn't think far enough in advance to try to find a way to have them promote the podcast. Shame Uh, on
1: you. I literally, in the email where I accepted the book, you could pick one of three. I said, and I'm on a podcast called Catching Foxes, and I would love to interview one of the authors, if not both. (laughs) Or one of the hosts, if not both. I pimped it. I pimped it good. And they wanted nothing of me. And they go, okay, great, where can I mail it to? I was like, damn it. Um, <laughs> but I got a book called The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. I recommend every human being read this. You can get it for free. It's called The Infamous The Stock Series from his website, but the book is ten times better. Um, so I love that. I got that. So then you know what I did, Luke? You know what mm. I did? I have a notebook. Can you hear it? I hear it. Yep. Okay. Yep. I can hear that. Flapped my hands together. I broke down my biggest expenses over the last three months. Mint.com helped a lot with that. And then I went through and canceled so much crap that I didn't even, not that I didn't realize I had, but like I became militant. The second the show was over and I was so ticked off at Game of Thrones, I walked right into my office, fired up the old iTunes and went, oop subscriptions, HBO now, cancel. Excellent. Today I drove to the YMCA and I was like, hi. I bought a two adult plus children uh, membership to the gym. Uh, We're going to roll it down to one adult because I've been here once in the six months (laughs) that we've had it. Daddy wants the $20 back. Sorry, Bishop Barron. Word on fire monthly. Canceled. HBO now. Canceled. Uh, AT&T mobile. Realized I was paying one of the highest plans. Didn't need to do that. Saving 50 bucks there. Um, Oh, what else did I cancel? Kindle unlimited. That breaks my freaking heart. Cinemark Movie Pass. Why not? I like the movies. Might as well fund the movie theater with a subscription program. <laughs> what is my problem? What is my problem?
0: So, you love good things.
1: I do love good things. And I even trimmed back my Audible subscription. I have had the Platinum account since 2012, and I just reduced it to the gold. I'm going to do it for one more month, and then I'm killing it. Uh, I'm gonna kill it for my bride. I How love many, her. How um, many credits do you still have? Oh no, I max out my credits every month. I pay them. That's my boy. That's yeah. my boy. I get the two free books they give you for being a subscriber. All that stuff. I have gone through all of my finances, and I have realized that um, that we're almost at the end of May. So next week, on Saturday, this Saturday, which is my birthday, Luke, I am traveling to. It's my birthday. I'm traveling to Covecrest, Georgia. I'm going to stop at our buddy John's house. I'm going to be in Covecrest, Georgia, and I'm going to train their young adult missionaries for the summer camps. And my whole family's coming. You know why I'm doing this? Mm. A free vacation week for my family. Oh, there you go. And you know when my next vacation's going to be? When we're in St. Louis? Live show St. Louis, middle of July. I'm even taking my wife on a sexy staycation. It's going to (sighs) be (sighs) awesome. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay last
1: last thing so here that's that's all my finance stuff any questions no no i wasn't making attention go on okay uh can i talk about something really short and i think it's really funny mm-hmm. okay your penis uh,
0: <laughs> yes
1: yes peeing actually <laughs> so the other day it was two o'clock in the morning and i was peeing and i realized that i didn't lift up the seat right so there's a potential hazard oh. there. <laughs> this is amateur hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez. yeah. So, so I'm not lifting up the seat. I've got this habit where I'm like, I'm just gonna see if I don't pee all over the seat <laughs> my wife has to sit on. It.
0: Yeah. So Bold here we go. Bold choice. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to live <laughs> dangerously. <laughs> so here's the deal. But then
1: I I, I decided I'm gonna level up. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stack my skill sets. Mm. Do you ever do this when you pee? Where you try to guess where you're peeing by the sound that it makes in the water as it's splashing in the toilet. Like, Mm -hmm. you're like, whoa, I'm a little too close to the beach. Whoa, I'm a little, uh, whoa, I'm right smack dab in the deep end, right? I'm good to go. Do you ever do that? And you're like, well, I'm going to go a little right here. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, I'm way more corrected. I peed on the floor just now. You ever do that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe not pee on the floor, but do you ever do that when you're peeing? Oh, multiple times. Aaron gets so mad at me. But I was just thinking. Why don't I just look, <laughs> but I'm like navigating like with sonar, urine sonar. I don't know. I was just thinking about that the other day as I was trying to not pee on the toilet bowl rim seat rim. And I was like, uh, where am I? Uh, I think I'm a little to the right. Nope. Definitely a little to the left. Let me get a little toilet paper, wipe that seat down. Not tell my wife. All right. That's it for that topic. You got any follow-up?
0: No uh i'm addicted to our free folk on on reddit uh i have our free folk yeah it's this it's where all the best game of Thrones memes are Uh, i've been told by a person on twitter that i have anger issues so he can go himself Uh,
1: (laughs) why why did this person (laughs) say that (laughs) and please say it wasn't with the catching foxes account no i don't even know what the password is anymore
0: (laughs) It's called maintaining engagement with <laughs> our fans. Listen, I remember when I got so tired of Twitter that I like I gave the account yeah. to Sarah Rogers and I never did anything about it. All right, yeah. anyways, listen, we have our downloads has never been better. Um, so what 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 was the beef with this guy? Why were you <clears> so angry? Okay, so I said so there is a tweet from Doctor Taylor Marshall where he says and it's popped up on my timeline. It's great. He goes. I've never seen an episode or even three minutes of Game of Thrones. I don't watch porn. I quoted that tweet and said, wanted to make sure I spelled douche right. So let me say it again. What a fucking douchebag. <laughs> 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 and, and then um, <laughs> this poor person replies with... <laughs> As a stranger who only, end quotation, knows you by the podcast and recently binged 100 episodes, God bless you. You might have anger issues. Violent language uh, breeds violent thoughts and actions. As, as, As retired ruggers, I played for one semester. We know how hard it is to leave behind the language. Regardless, we shouldn't name call. He's not wrong, Luke. He's not wrong. God bless this person for listening to 100 episodes. God bless you. And I've talked about before how I do have, like, anger issues. But I don't have, like, anger, anger, anger issues.
1: No, you don't have anger issues. You have a lack of fuse issues <laughs> when being criticized.
0: I know. That's not true. I just got annoyed. I, okay, the Yeah, thing that's, about true. It, that's true. That's true. I, this is what bothers me about it. Like, okay, plenty of our friends have said the exact same thing as what Taylor yeah. Marshall is trying to say here uh matt frad jd flynn and i don't like begrudge them for that i understand why they think that i don't i might not completely completely agree or i might even agree and just say here's how i um, how like i like deal with that it's just like like no one was asking him this is just weird virtue signaling
1: yeah that's 100 percent virtue signaling. that's why it's oh i haven't watched it i don't do it i am perfect you are all gross (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was just, I was, I'm sure he's a nice guy. So, Dr. Doctor Taylor Marshall, you're not a f- douchebag. I'm sorry. I just thought it would be funny to say that as well.
1: <laughs> well, the title of this show is Luke apologizes to Dr. Taylor Marshall. I love it. I love it, Luke.
0: <laughs> and it's just been a while since I got off the handle. On, I, I wasn't even, like, really angry. I was more just like, ah, come on.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh to wrap up Luke I think we would be remiss not to talk about what happened and plug what's coming. We were in Appleton known as Fox Valley Cities I believe uh out near Green Bay. We did a wonderful uh, live show. Wonderful live show. Wonderful live show. Um we did a we did a workshop with young adult volunteers and leaders. That was in- actually
0: really fun. That was <laughs> very fun. That was fun. It was, was fun, fun to fun. give a talk with you where we were kind of just going back and forth about it. like here's a tidbit, here's a tidbit, here's a tidbit. <laughs>
1: I uh so this is a funny story. Okay, so me and Luke did this talk, it was maybe a 25-minute talk in front of this group. We had some various flavors of macaroni and That's then so good. Me and Luke went out to the car and we sat on the hood of his car to try to figure out what we were going to do for the live show. Then we're like, "Hey, let's just go to the bar now." It's uh, just so uh, right around the corner. So we go to the bar, we meet the guy It's, what was it, McGinnis's Irish Pub by by Matt Miller, who, he's like, yeah, you might remember my name. is Matt Miller. I go, oh, yeah, I'll remember that name. It was a buddy of mine in uh, college. And he goes, hey, must have been handsome. And I was like, damn it, he was. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, no, so wonderful owner. We had this whole back room, and we filled it with just amazing people. Some people traveled an hour, two hours to be there. So thank you all, the people from Madison and Oshkosh. It was amazing.
0: It was Wisconsin everyone is so freaking pleasant yeah yeah just there's just a pleasantness there's a there's a pleasantness to wisconsin that i just loved so thank you everyone that was wonderful
1: yeah and so um it's just a live show so the show itself you can buy food and booze i think they did like a ten dollar thing or whatever but when we so i did the show me and luke got back to the hotel um at midnight and then we i turned around and left at five o'clock in the
0: morning um, six remember o'clock in the- when we, we when we woke up and I thought it was six thirty? I was like, "Gomer, oh no, yeah, Gomer, you're late, you're <laughs> late, you're late." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and you're like,
1: "Oh, for some reason my phone didn't roll back an hour." Yeah, I lost. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Um I care about you. I know you love me. Um, yeah, and then my plane landed and I went right to work. Uh, and we got a cat that we're now house sitting. How about them
0: apples? <laughs> my wife is.
1: I call my wife and go. So how was it the first day with the cat? She was like, "It was miserable." The neighbor barked, neighbor's dog barked all night long because of our cat. And our cat jumped on my face in the middle of the night. And I was like, okay, well, I slept in a comfortable hotel bed with Luke. And that is it. (laughs) As is tradition. As is tradition. (laughs) Well, see you later. Yeah, we also have another young adult event coming out. So everyone in Wisconsin, now you all have to buy plane tickets to Anchorage, Alaska, and come meet us in June um we are gonna do it's called the heights and it's all a a young adult retreat experience and me and luke are gonna do it my wife was invited i said hey honey you want to come she said oh no i was like well okay luke it is so now it's a (laughs) catching foxes event instead of just a michael
0: gormley event you know what luke that's okay that they chose you second i'm just kidding (laughs) i didn't hear what you said at the very end but uh, yeah, no, we're very excited to go out to <laughs> Alaska. So if you are there, one, God bless you, to uh, come and say hi. Very excited about that, and we'll be in St. Louis in July. In July, <laughs> did you tell the truth or July? <laughs> July.
1: Yeah, we are going to uh, do that, and it's going to be it's going to be a blast. Like we're doing uh, catching foxes live there on was that Tuesday night.
0: And then uh, no the next day, day we're the week yeah. Is. Then the next day we're doing this a, 23rd. a workshop. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, we just, awesome. yeah, we just got some more, and we uh, so we're um just we're not quite booked for the rest of 2019, but we do have some people who are who are uh, possibly interested. So if you want to try to book a live show during uh during um 2019, please uh, go to our website. CatchingFoxes.fm. Check out the book a show tab um, and do that soon because before we're booked for all of for the rest of 2019. Um, really quick, hey, I'm closing on a house on Friday. That's so awesome, man! Do you nuts? like it? I do, I do. Yeah, it doesn't quite have the character or the, or the charm as the house that we discussed earlier. Yeah, but it's very nice. Uh, it's in the town of Oakwood where. I'm from, which is the greatest place in the world. So I'm very excited about that. I'm um, just excited to really own a home. and we'll just plant some roots. Um, we're going to have a little fire pit thing. They're going to leave there for us and a couch in the, that I'm going to put in, in the basement. Very excited. Aaron's very excited. I'm very excited. The the dogs are very excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're going to yard. They're not going to know what to do with that. I know. They're like, what? I can't pee on this floor. I'm be like, I know because we've trained you. Stop <laughs> jumping no on the
1: couch <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome! All right, man. Well, I'm going to let you go. I have uh, a lot of editing to do. Looking forward to this. Um, uh, yeah, uh, is there anything else we need to we need to say to no. our good fans?
0: Thank you, Patreon. Thank you, guys, supporters. Yeah, thank you everyone on Patreon.
1: I have. Um, we published a lot. I've published a lot in the last two weeks on Patreon, especially about my um, conversation with the lovely deacon from the Reformed Baptist Church. And just some of the stuff that we had going back and forth. Um, yeah, and it, it was it was a lot of fun. And I was exhausted. And I look forward to writing more. I'm going to try to get some stuff out tomorrow night. Oh, Good, and yeah. guess what? Guess hmm. what, Luke? Hmm. 50 stickers have gone out in the mail. Kateri. Kateri. Kateri wrote labor. the Catching Fox's mailing
0: address. <laughs> and she has sent them out. Uh, it was so funny when uh, I was making her laugh when I, when uh uh when I was in the car and you called me and no one has any um, any um reference for this so s- sorry. Inside jokes make it. <laughs> <laughs> All <laughs> right What's y'all fun? you can find us at uh no. Yeah, no, no 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 whatever don't worry about it. we're no, at uh, patreon.com/cf. Slash, slash, um, yeah sometimes there's free stuff on there.
1: For you peasants. For you peasants. All right. God bless you all. Thank you all. Bye. All right. Bye.
0: Was that good?